You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you you maybe already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am so excited to sit down with writer, director, producer, Mr. Randy West. I don't know about the writing part. (laughs) It sounds good, though. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much, man. That's all that matters. Please, thank you so much. Let me just tell everyone, uh, as we start this podcast, Randy has done something truly special and it's a huge honor that he's even doing it and that's what this podcast is about um he a few years ago we had an idea um or he had an idea and I was flattered but scared and that idea was to do a documentary and we're going to tell you all about it and he's going to do most of the talking after I do this intro but I've never seen anyone work as hard as he's worked on this. And I wish I could say like, hey man, he's just doing it for this project, but he does everything like that. So he's not only been a blessing as a positive influence, but he's also um, a a great influence as a friend. And uh, he's a special guy, man. I'm really lucky to have him in my life. And uh, thank you for making time to be on the show and, and share the story. No, thank you. And, you know, um, I have a great example of hard work, you know, and some friends that I have. So <laughs> I'd like to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we should just tell them a little bit of our backstory, I guess, first, before we go into Yeah, please, please. Yeah. Just... So <clears throat> I think I, I'll tell them, you know, I don't even think I shared this with you before, but my, you know, I, I I left high school and I went to uh, NC State University. I won't get in trouble for saying that. Huh? From Coach Reed? <laughs> no, no, no. Coach Reed would laugh. And anyhow, I went to NC State and I got some academic money. And that was, you know, I, I thought that I would be okay with like, you know, maybe trying to walk on or I was like, I don't really know if I, it was, it was a dream to play college football. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to be a star, but I just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. But I got a lot of academic money for, for college, and I was like, well, you know, I don't have a lot of money, so I'm, I better take this. And right. then, um, they didn't have tryouts until the winter, and I tried out, and I did extremely well. Like we were talking about earlier, I thought I did extremely well. Yeah, oh, yeah, we, we have that. <laughs> and, That's a big topic for today. Yeah, and uh, but uh, I made it all the way to the end, but then I got cut, and uh, and that was devastating. Because I, you know, throughout those tryouts, I, I realized that I really did want to play. So, long story short, I couldn't play there because I got cut and they didn't want me. I was too small and, you know, to play offensive line, I was too slow to play anywhere else. So, I ended up uh, transferring to Richmond, was a whole nother story in itself. But um, when my first year at Richmond, um, you had just left and, um, 
or maybe about two years before I came in, you had, right. you had just left. And I remember the first like offensive line meetings I was in and I was just glued in on Coach Leonard. Everything he was teaching, I was just like locked in on him. And he, I had no idea who you were. Like, I, you know, I had just got into Richmond. Mm. But he said, I, it was probably the best compliment. I didn't know. The other guys were looking at me like I was crazy, but they were like, you know, he could coach Leonard. You know who you remind me of? <laughs> this guy, Mark Magna. <laughs> and oh, I was man. like, yeah. I was like, who is that? <laughs> and, what, a, what a sick and demented bucket to get thrown <laughs> into. I'm sorry. No, no, it was, you know, it turns out to be probably one of the greatest compliments ever, but I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, that's our history, you know, through Richmond and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I, w- I was teaching high school for about 10 years and uh, teaching at a, a you know, a, a not so fortunate uh, area, you know, where a lot of the population, the student population was lower socioeconomic income, single parent homes, you know, a lot of, and I was coaching football too. So a lot of those kids, you know, didn't have fathers and, um, let me just say, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure our listeners understand what it's like to be a teacher and be a coach. You're not exactly rolling in it. So <laughs> just most people won't do a job, let alone volunteer to do something where if you get paid, if it's extremely low uh, salary, whatever it is, and what you deal with through not only players and players' parents, I mean, you, you're a hero. I'm serious because my high school coach to me was someone truly special. But to volunteer the way you did and just commit so much of your life to doing something when it's kind of a thankless job. Yeah, know? I think, um, you know, in, in today's world, materialistically, it is a thankless job. But intrinsically right i mean it's probably one of the greatest rewards you could receive. i mean you know you coach i mean yeah. it's not necessarily coaching a yeah like a, a sport or whatnot but you coach an individual almost every single well, well you yourself coach a team of trainers and yeah. well, a lot of those times those trainers are actually teaching me and my job is to serve them the best i can and it's usually i starts off with me thinking i'm gonna teach them something great and it usually ends with me learning something great from them but I've seen the way you work with the high school kids. It's uh, really special, oh, well. and they're lucky to have you. you I appreciate work your butt that. off, so you yeah. should, uh, should, they're lucky. I uh, I learned from some great coaches myself, uh, both of us. And, but uh, you know, in that in my time teaching, like I said, the, the you know the population that I worked with was there were some amazing kids, and and uh, you know, like always, there were some not so amazing kids, but. Um, a lot of them, I don't want to say what, you know, just weren't fortunate, but it was just they, the, the circumstances that they were in, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they had to deal with, with some different things. I wouldn't say they were less fortunate, more fortunate, either way, it's different. It was mm-hmm. just different circumstances. Yeah. And, um, and noticing that you know, a lot of coaches or a lot of men, which there's starting to be a, a lack of like, you know, alpha males or just strong men that are in positions to teach young men. I mean, even young kids in general, um, not even so much just, you know, how to play a sport, but just how to be a good person, mm. how to do the right thing, teaching them correct morals and 
you know, good habits and mm-hmm. how to treat people. But mm-hmm. um, and most people don't even want to do that because then you have to be responsible. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's so true. It's but, a tall task. They um, those, uh, you know, like I said, those kids, they single parent homes. The, if there was a mother or a father that was a single parent, they were working multiple jobs. They were hardly ever there. So, you know, it was it's the it's the. The cliche story, you know, like the coaches like picking the kids up, you know, buying them dinner, like basically trying to help take care of the kid. It's not the it's usually it's not the, that the parent neglects them. It's just that they're doing what they can to help mm-hmm. provide for their children. Right. So, um, you know, spending those years coaching and teaching and then, you know, obviously I, I, I was ready to get out of the teaching. I'm still involved in coaching high school football, but uh, I was ready to get out of the teaching uh, environment and I had, you know I was always involved in, in in video production and so I was going full-time in video production with our, our small um, production company and one of the things I wanted to really focus on was great storytelling and obviously with the environment that I was exposed to yeah. uh, and and knowing you and being good friends with you I, you know I was like these kids need to see especially the young men, uh, but kids in general um, need to see that somebody who was in their shoes um, and went through the same things that they did, was in the same circumstances that they were in, found a way to make it happen. And and this is where he is now. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought, you know, who, who else would be more perfect uh, than oh. than you? So that's when I approached you and it was like, and look, I know for all of you that know Mark, you know that he's a super humble guy. So it wasn't like, I was like, Hey Mark, man, let me make this documentary about you. And he was like, Oh, that'd be great, man. I'd love to see something about myself. You know, this is a, no, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, I had to approach him and tell him exactly why. And, and you know, what was the purpose behind it and how, how I was going to approach the whole project. And, and, uh, you know, even then it was like he was a very hesitant because, you know, knowing Mark, he doesn't think that his story is that is that profound or that impactful. But um, those of us who have witnessed it and been around it and seen it and, uh, you know, we know that how how much of a positive impact it can have on those who view it. So um, so this was me begging him to let me make a, a film about his life so that. Number one, we could, you know, provide a, a positive story for not just kids, but people in general to see that um, no matter what your circumstances are, um, you can reach your goals. But guess what? There's going to be an insane amount of hard work, determination. Yeah, yeah, there's a price for that. And uh, yeah. and I think a lot of people are starting to lose focus of that. It's, you know, I, I think more people are saying it now. You know, with the whole social media and the microwave, you know, society that you want things, you know, yesterday um, that we need to get back to really focusing on putting in that hard work and putting in that time and effort and um, and preaching that so that, you know, people know it's okay when you when you're sweating and you're bleeding. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's supposed to happen, you know, so yeah. Um, oh yeah, I just want to say, um, you know, first of all, Randy didn't appreciate it, but he he didn't exactly beg me. I mean, it was like, was there some convincing? I, I guess you could say that. It's just that understand that when you put yourself out there, you expose yourself to 
all types of feedback. Yeah, there's positive, but there's also a lot of negative and there's a lot of haters and it is what it is. And, you know, some people say, hey, if you you haven't arrived until you have a significant amount of naysayers or haters and but that doesn't make it easy. And sometimes some people don't want to deal with that. And I respect that. Um, But I do think that we all have an obligation to want to be better, to do better, and be the best we can. And I want everyone to hear this and hear this clearly. I am not perfect. I am not uh, on a pedestal, and I am not talking down to anyone. All we're doing is sharing my story. And I remember being in high school, my freshman year at Derby High School, I was sitting down with my football teammates in a gymnasium. My high school coach, Bob Bogan, brought in a speaker, a guy who was playing college football, and he gave his speech, which was a very motivational speech, and it inspired us. And at the end, he said, there's going to be a lot of things that you go through in life that are hard. In high school, you're going to have to decide if you want to do certain things that may take you in another direction and quite and could possibly take you away from your dreams. He said, if you want something bad enough, you got to make the necessary sacrifices, commit, and realize that your life is going to be a little bit different. And then at the end he said, I'd love to tell you that five guys in this group will end up playing college football, but the truth is there's probably one or two. And if one guy gets to play professionally... That's a long shot, and it probably won't happen, but there might be one. And I remember instantly thinking, man, I hope he's talking about me. That can be me. Just the possibility that that could happen. But I know that there's a lot of kids out there who do the right thing, who don't partake in things that are compromising to their health, that are doing the very best they can, not only on the football field or on the basketball court or ice hockey or baseball, but they're also great students and they're trying to be good people. And I think that there's so many stories out there about kids who, you know, fall and rise and fall and fall and fall and make, there's a bunch of kids out there who are doing great from day one and always live their their life like that. But because there's no drama, there's no crazy fall from grace that people completely ignore them like we need to give a shout out to the kid who's getting uh, verbally abused because he's trying to do the right thing in every every day Uh, because he's not partaking in drugs or alcohol like that's okay it's okay to be you everyone says just be a kid have fun well what if being fun is not doing any of those things why can't he just be himself and why does a kid have to get picked on because he's trying to be the best human being he, he can. Uh, live the best life. Be as healthy as possible. That's not a negative thing. That should be praised. And I think that's a major part of this story. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, hopefully we tell that story too. You know, yeah. We tell it in a way that's effective and yeah. people really get that. So, Yeah, and it's not that. Listen, when I was in high school, I certainly did things that could could have taken me down a horrible path but it's just that i feel like i was lucky because i was able to catch it just in time before it got out of hand and make sure that you know 
I don't judge people who go out and party. Like, I mean, I don't, if you want to go drink, if you want to do, like, I don't, I don't care what you do. Like, I don't judge anyone else, but I didn't want that kind of life for me. I looked all around and I saw everything that was happening in the city I grew up in and with my best friends and the group of guys I hang out with who were all tremendous athletes, who were all gifted and talented. And I realized I don't want that kind of life. I have to make a change. It has to start start with someone. My father did drugs. My father drank in excess. And I said, I don't want to do those things. So am I a little bit hard on myself now? Sure. But that's the only way I knew how to break the cycle. I didn't know anything else. So that's a large part of the reasoning for this. And I trust my dear friend Randy to do the best job he possibly can. And man, I like I said before, when I talk about like I've never seen anyone work so hard, let's talk more specifically about the work because <laughs> you, how many interviews have you collected? Man, I think we got about just we just got about fifty interviews for this project specifically. And tell them where they came from. Oh man, all over the country, all different, over the country. Well, different. The different acts are comprised of what? Oh, so we yeah we broke it down. You know, obviously there's, you know, just to keep it simple and you know especially for our audience, we we if we kind of split it up into three acts. You know, the first act is is the Fall River. Um, scene and uh you know mark's journey from you know from childhood all the way to uh to the end of his high school career or end of high school and then act two is is going to include um you know it's it's heavily college football uh his uh tenure in in the league with the nfl and then the cfl and uh his time in montreal which was really special and uh, and then act three is obviously everything that took place after that, which is mainly in Miami, and uh, your journey through the, f- the the fitness industry and 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 how you climbed your way through that, so um, there's definitely you know it's like it comes down to a matter of me doing a, a good job or you know a well enough job of telling the story because the story itself is is already there. It's like it's basically like you know I know you're gonna be like nah nah nah, but it, you mean you handed me this story on a silver platter. It's just a matter of me you know delivering it to the audience uh in in an effective way because at each stage there's you know there's great exposition there there's climax you know there's peaks and valleys there's there's conflict um and and that's how life should be you know life's not going to be easy sailing the entire time like if if there's no conflict in your life or there's nothing that you have to overcome there's no adversity I want to know who you are and, and what kind of life you're living. I want to be with you. Well, we talk about that all the time. Like, you know, as a, I'm not a parent, but I've certainly been a son. And um, I think my mother did a great job of letting us. We, we, I went to a conference this weekend and there was a moment in the conference, an aha moment where, you know, they're in playgrounds now, they want to remove like the monkey bars because kids fall and kids get hurt. And of course, we don't want anyone to get hurt, but falling off the monkey bars is a part of the process. You kind of got to fall because if you fall, you realize you get hurt. Then you pay more attention. You try to do a better job. That's a part of it, right? Right. Even so, learn how to fall, right? Oh, yeah. Well, what, like you said, you yeah. know, it's not just learning not to fall, it's learning how to fall the next time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 
you know, with, you know, as I said, I'm not a parent, but I've been a son and my mother understood that I have to let my son go through this adversity because if he doesn't deal with adversity yet, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15, 16, well, then when he turns 20, he's it's going to hit him and he's not going to know how to deal with it and then he's going to have a breakdown. And then he'll either implode or explode and it's going to be very bad. And that's when depression sets in. That's when substance abuse sets in. And, you know, you have to let kids deal with those things. And it, I can only imagine, I hope to be a parent someday, and I can only imagine watching from a distance as your child suffers. But the kids that I grew up with that were protected, and we're always, uh, they would get in trouble and the parents would get them out of trouble and they wouldn't really punish them. They kind of punish them. And the parents thought that they were doing a great job of, you know, disciplining the kid. And it wasn't real discipline, meaning that the kid didn't feel the heartache or the pain from the mistake. Well, those kids are lifelong um, strugglers. I mean, the majority of the kids I grew up with that the parents got them out of trouble all the time, they're either alcoholics or drug users. They're suffering miserably through life because they don't know how to deal with any adversity. And I'm not saying we all have problems. Everyone has. I don't care if you're rich or poor. You, We all have our own set of cards we're dealt. We all have adversity. But you kind of got to learn the process of dealing with that. And I don't know what the process is for you because the process for me is different from everyone else. But we got to figure that out on our own. And it's not fun. It's very hard. I'm certainly not an expert. I screw it up all the time, but I've certainly felt a great deal of pain dealing with adversity. And it serves me much better now. You know, If I make a mistake, it's okay to make a state mistake, but don't be a mistake repeater. So let them feel it. They have to feel it. It's like you either pay the piper now or pay the piper later, but you will pay. You can't avoid it. You can't hack the system yeah. because at some point you won't be there to pick up the pieces. They'll be alone and they will just fall apart. I don't, I don't know. Amen to that. So Yeah. And there, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, and based off of that, you know, there's a lot for for every individual who watches the documentary, hopefully that they can take from that in, in, in regards to that topic and, and, and to add on to that, you know, that adversity and, and that those conflicts, uh, those obstacles, you know, what we're hoping to to convey in the documentary is. It's not like like Mark said, he's not perfect, you know, and, and we talked about this earlier. Everybody, everybody thinks about quitting, you know, nobody there's nobody that's never, never thought about quitting. Yeah, anyone who tells you that they've never thought about quitting, they're lying. Yeah. And they're trying to make themselves be something they're not. I thought about quitting several times in my life and a lot of times recently. But I realized that that like I don't want to quit. I realize I'm having a bad day, not a bad career or a bad life. I keep it in perspective and I pull through it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's what we want to tell people like we or we want to show them um, those obstacles and and. And, you know, that those adverse moments, like you, we want to show them that it was tough, but it was just like, you just got to get up and finish another day, get up and finish another day. And then eventually you get past that. It becomes a habit. Yeah. It becomes and, a habit. And, um, and you did that in, in so many instances and more than we could show, 
really mm-hmm. like and we talked about this like I don't think people understand how hard it is to tell somebody's life like truly tell their life in 90 minutes you know and even 90 minutes is kind of long like yeah yeah so like you know to be able like just so everybody knows like there's a lot that's going to be left out of this documentary not that it it uh you know it it alters the story anyhow it's just that there's a lot of great moments that we just couldn't include um and and that's why we created the website right. for for the extra content and the right. extra bonus material so that you know, we could put those other clips and stories out there so people could, could you know, enjoy them and, and, and hopefully relate to them, you know, right. find some sort of inspiration from it. Right. I mean, I, I, there, there's so much footage that it deserves to be seen. Oh, and, and there's, like, different people. There's obviously the interviews from Fall River, the people from Fall River, and the people I grew up with will want, will want to see that. The Richmond family will want to see all the stories of Coach Reed and the staff and the players that were all interviewed. And then, you know, the anatomy family and community will want to see the story revolving around that with my business partners, Chris and Randy. And, and you know, they, they have so much great information and feedback, like just great interviews. Like, honestly, you probably just want to watch them just because it's they give great interviews and they're, they can make stories about both of them as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Honestly, everybody, yeah. everybody we talked to, everybody we talked to for this project was just so overwhelmingly, like, just whatever you need. Yeah. They were like, you know, yeah. just tell me, just tell yeah. me. And like, I mean, they were just ready to, to be involved. And um, it spoke about their character, but it also spoke about your character because they were so willing to 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 be involved and to and to talk about you and to talk about their experiences and not everybody's like that and and not everybody's like that about somebody else so um that's true and and sad to say there was like man when we started coming up with a list of people i think i i know i told you i was like yeah we got to keep this low man because Number one, uh, for people who don't know, we, we Mark and I didn't have a budget for this film. Like yeah. this is a passion project. Yeah. And so. by the way, we we were talking about a documentary earlier of someone we know who did a documentary, right? And they had a five hundred thousand dollar budget, and we had nothing. Nothing. We have nothing. I mean, this car was ba- Randy was basically packing up his car and driving up and down the East Coast. And a little bit to the to to the to Middle America, <laughs> so when he would say, "I'm driving I'm out of saying, the country," oh yeah, oh out of the country <laughs> to Montreal, to Montreal. It, I mean, that's why I say I've never seen work like this. And on top of that, yes, he's married. For how many years have you been married, by the way? Eleven years. Eleven years. So yeah. we can do another podcast about the tricks of that. <laughs> but he's got an amazing wife. He's got two amazing children. So oh, he's man. a full time dad. Runs his own business, and he's married. And he's cutting the lawn, and if you not not to give you a, a, a an inaccurate picture, but he has a very very large yard, and cuts his own grass. Yeah. So he is a you know human dynamo, if you will. But you know, I want to say there's certainly going to be people in this documentary, or excuse me, that were not interviewed. And let's just say that. We couldn't, we, he couldn't interview everyone because 
the thing is like if you interview one client right and we did he did but he can't interview them all i have like 40 people i train right yeah some of them have been training for 13 years some of them have been training for one year and then the people i work with like the team's incredible but to do it justice you'd have to interview every single person in the building right you know you really would like yeah i mean I'm sure Vanessa could give you some great stories. Not all good, like David <laughs> Geller, not all good, but like even uh, David Miller, Maxine, like Jacqueline, like Eric, like they, those people would give unbelievable interviews, but you, you just can't do them all, right, you know? And right. they're a huge part of my life too, but Absolutely. that doesn't mean they're not important. It's just that there was no budget and it had to be limited. Yeah, so. yeah. And you, you know, you get lost, you know, if, Unless, and we talked about this, unless you were making like a, a lengthy docu-series where, right. you know, right. it was like a six to eight episode television show that, yeah. you know, you could tune into. But, you know, at, at the 50 interviews we have, it's really tough to like include every single person. Oh, yeah. And then I'm not saying you have to. Um, I definitely wanted to yeah, because right. everybody that we interviewed gave amazing stories and some people by the way so, so that everyone understands this some people you have like two hour interviews oh my god you use one sentence yeah and that's not because the the information wasn't amazing or the storytelling wasn't great it was just because there's only so much space as yeah. you said before right exactly and um and so you know just so, so everybody knows we you know if if you're one of those folks who felt like you should have been interviewed, I, trust me, I, we probably had you on a list. And yeah. it was just like, it was heartbreaking for us to to kind of narrow it down to certain folks. But, uh, I, you know, we we started with a list that was way less than 50 as well. But, you know, obviously that grew. <laughs> well, what happens is, we talked about this yesterday. If we're sitting, like Joe Douglas, for example. Joe Douglas was sitting down, well... Coach Reed was sitting down talking about the success of some teammates. And, of course, you mentioned Joe Douglas, who's now the general manager of the New York Jets, who's not only a huge success, but he's an amazing friend to me. He stays in my house when he comes to Miami. But we weren't going to do Joe. Like, we wanted to, but we didn't know if we, we, we wanted to bother Joe. Joe was like, I'm down to do it. But Randy had to drive to Philadelphia to get it. Right. And I was all about it. I mean, because yeah. he was excited, you know, once he once he knew we were what we wanted to. He was right. like, oh, yeah. my gosh, we got to make yeah. this happen. So, yeah. I mean, you can imagine how busy a vice president of player personnel for an NFL team is. And he was like, we just bounced back and forth like, hey, how can we make this happen? And he was like, I think it was like a Monday night at like right. 8 p.m. Who, by the way, another guy who works probably 80 hours a week is married and i think he has four children he's yeah yeah in may time on a monday night right and we <laughs> i think we I, I i luckily i had um two young guys that that are amazing young videographers who um you know i, I on that trip i wanted somebody with me because not only did we drive up on monday uh, afternoon we drove right back to richmond after the interview I mean, it's about a four and a half hour drive, but we finished, you know, like you said, like you think you're going in in like a 30 minute interview. No. It was like two hours because the storytelling is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. and you just can't, you can't be, you can't sit down with an individual like Joe Douglas and just ask him like five questions and be like, okay, I'm out. Like, no, no, no I got to get everything. <laughs> no, like, you everything. Have, it's just an opportunity you, you'll probably never have again. Right. And right. then 
Coach Reed mentions Joe Douglas. You see Joe Douglas. Then Joe Douglas mentions Elio and Todd McShay. So then you're like, oh, I got to go to Boston. I got to go to Connecticut. Yeah. And it got. Yeah. You know. But that, and, and, you know, I think in the back of our heads, we knew that was going to happen. It was just. You know, it was it was our it's our first run, and we we didn't test the water, so we didn't know if people were really going to be willing to right. be involved. Like we didn't know, and it was like, and that's what was so amazing. It was like, it wasn't like we had to beg anybody. We just put it out there, and they were like, "Yeah, when when like when can you be here? Like when you know when can we do?" It? Some people were even like, "Do you need me to come to Richmond?" Right, right. And I was like, "No, no way." Come yeah. on. Like, like Coach Reed. I yeah. mean, like you you coach college football. Yeah, yeah. Like Coach Reed would have drove down for the interview. He, he, I mean. So he's crazy. I mean, uh, it was just a really, and you know, the whole experience was amazing. It it was not just, uh, obviously I knew a lot of the Richmond guys, which was really fun for me to, to catch up with a lot of those guys and to, you know, to just relive a lot of those stories, but, uh, going to fall river and meeting those folks and, you know, all of your family and friends and, and just experiencing the town, like almost kind of like getting an opportunity to walk in your shoes and, and, and it just kind of be one with Fall River, understand the pride that comes out of there, um, understand also the other side that makes you want to get out, and yeah. then you know just understanding everything about Fall River was it's just an amazing experience. And oh my gosh, and the food, uh, <laughs> I won't go into that, but the food is amazing, and and the breads, and I'm I'm a fat kid and I love bread, so. <laughs> I mean, you. Yeah. Where else? Did you, you go know, to Mazzelli's? Did you go to Mazzelli's? I didn't. I oh didn't. My, but, that's a sin. Yeah. Ugh. And then um, maybe we can have those shipped. <laughs> we'll see if we. Well, can. They won't be as fresh though. Yeah, but they, there's got to be a way. Yeah, that we can do it. They um. So and then far and then you know oh my gosh getting to go to Montreal which was an amazing. I mean we went in December and it was freezing cold and it was still a gorgeous city like it was so yeah. fun. It's a great city. And uh, fortunately, I was lucky enough to to take my wife and kids and my kids loved it. Uh, my wife, she was like, my wife is a foodie and she thought the food in Montreal was, okay. you know, yeah. a big shout out to Max, man. Max, he looked out for us and took care of us as far as the food and, and you know, just everything. And, and Anna, was, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. And then, uh, and then always, you know, going to Miami and, and talking to the folks in Miami and, and being down there, how can you not like, how can you not enjoy going to Miami? Yeah. So, um, and it's always, you know, an opportunity to get to see you and hang out with you and Melanie. So it just, the, the whole, the whole process was amazing. And by the way, this has been like three and a half years. So don't, you know, this wasn't like the last few months. Like this is, this has been three and a half years of traveling to and fro, you know, to, to make this, you know, possible, even place Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, you know, we're out in Kentucky getting Anwar Stewart, Tennessee getting oh, yeah. Chris Anwar. Chris Jones. Um, Chris Jones, when it's one of my teammates that played with Montreal, he he was an assistant coach in Kentucky, and then Chris Jones was my defensive coordinator, who's had a lot of success in the CFL as a head coach and won a Grey Cup. Is now uh, he what position is? I think he's the defensive line coach. He's a defensive line coach and coordinator. Uh, I don't I think, think, no, maybe. not yet, but he's a defensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, yeah. And he was the guy who gave me a shot in Montreal who no, no one else kind of wanted me, and he was like, I want that kid. And, yeah. Uh, he gave a great interview too, man. He did. He, he's such a uh, – his football IQ is off the chart. I mean, he's going to climb the ladder extremely fast. Oh, yeah. He's a smart NFL. guy, man. Yeah. Ooh, smart. 
but you know then there was a lot of people that we reached out to that were extremely busy and then when they kind of heard what it was wanted to jump back in and be like no no i'm available and i was like bro it's it's kind of too late man because i can't every time i was like you know randy i think you got to go to connecticut to get todd mcshay it would like crush my soul to say it to him <laughs> because it's like you, you know you need it randy knows we need it but it's like now i gotta ask this guy to leave his family again for a weekend or during the week to drive to connecticut i'm like i felt like just not saying anything but the idea wasn't to like randy said it's been three and a half years the idea wasn't to just smash something together and get it out there. Like, I'll give you an example. Sharif Malik, when he was interviewed, what did he say when you broke out all your equipment? He was like, wow, this is so professional. He's like, this is real. And, and, th <laughs> and this is real. Like, Randy, if you saw what his house looked like in the rooms of video equipment, like, he's a real videographer, movie maker, short filmmaker. Now, this is his first piece like this, but he's been doing this for how many years? Um, f 15 years, yeah. I think. Yeah, professionally, so, yeah. This is like a serious, real big thing, and it took that long to put all the pieces together because my life has been in Fall River, Richmond, uh, you know, uh, New England with the Pats, Cincinnati, Montreal, Miami, all over the place. And he had to pull all those pieces together and just laying down the foundation took time. Yeah. Yeah. It took a lot of time. Oh man. And and um and you know, we we had an idea of of where these interviews would take us, but it just turned into to so much more once we started yeah. getting it was like an octopus. Oh man, it was but it was worth it though. It was so worth it. It was not only the experience, but just um, just connecting people um, was, uh, I think, is going to end up being a huge part of this story. Right. And, uh, you know, it's been a joy, man. It's been a joy. And we still have a long ways to go. We're, we're, we're not done, but, um, but, but we can see the finish line. Oh, yeah. And it's super exciting. And, uh, you know, we just, or, you know, I hope that uh, we do a great job telling the story and I, I think you and I discussed this before it was like it's it, you know because it's a passion project a passion project you know we obviously we can say oh well you know we just want to we just want to make a great film like yeah. I mean obviously we want to get some sort of reward out of it but It'd really in the end yeah like yeah if it's if it's one person that sees that film and is like it changes their life which I think is going to be more than one person, obviously, but it, it's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, it's a great feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you, there's, there's kids out there, like I said before, I think I have to, I keep saying there's kids out there, but the truth is, I think this could be a great book for so many different types of people. They go, okay, Mark was a football player. It's going to be great for football players. I mean, listen, I hope so, but that's not what it's about. It's not about football. It's not about just academics. It's not about uh, struggle. It's about all of those things. Like, I just finished my book, and the book is called Dream Big, Never Quit, by the way. And um, it'll be out soon in the next few months. Uh, and when the editor was going through it, I said, just out of curiosity, who would you say this book is built for? 
it was very funny. Um, the answer I got back was parents. This is a book about parenting. And I never heard that before. And I was like, really? He's like, oh, yeah, your mom, the way, the way your mom handled things and handled you and brought you and your brother up. And I was thinking that shocked me. I thought, OK, it's about college football or training. And he, he said parenting. So I think it, it, there's something in there for everyone. I really do. And yeah, no, it you is. Know, we talk about it all the time. You think you're better than you are. But I'm hoping there is something in there for everyone. I really do. There's absolutely something in there for everyone. It, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're going through. It's, you know, even and and you know, we don't like you said. We don't have to. We don't have to focus so much on the struggle, because um, you're not always. You, you there are peaks in your life. You you are yeah. at good places and good and good moments. And not everybody that watches this wants to watch it to to learn or to experience how to overcome something. Um, you can watch this documentary and just, you know, just feel good about yeah. seeing, you yeah. know, good people talking about other good people doing good things. Right. And, um, and you know, I, I hope that that's what people take away from it. You know, one of the things that people take away from it. So it's, it's definitely something in there for everybody. I don't, I want people to think that it's a, it's, it's a strictly motivational, inspirational piece that, you got to watch when you're down and out, you know, like mm -hmm. you're in a dark room by yourself, crying your eyes out yeah. and you're like, oh, I got to put on this, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, and that being said, it's not, look, as Randy said, there were, I'm not, you know, I don't need to go up there and tell everyone, oh man, we were homeless and there was struggles and like there's, we, we're not trying to create a drama filled story. You know, it's not like everyone, I hear these stories and I'm thinking, there was no happy times in your life. And, and I think that like the way I was raised, my mother, it didn't matter what we had. It didn't have, she made it feel like we had everything and she busted her butt to make sure it seemed that way. But there's enough drama and falls and adversity in this story to not embellish or add like mm -hmm. it's there. So, yeah. um, my story's not, uh, crazier or tougher than your upbringing. Like every, everyone has it. Everyone has it. I don't care who you are, where you come from, rich or poor, like we all have it. So um, it, it, it's just a a story where, you know, we were talking about the kids I grew up with and I was with, I was in rooms where kids were drinking. They were drinking beer. They were drinking hard liquor. They were you know, doing lines, they were smoking pot, they were taking prescription pills. And I can't tell you exactly why I stayed away from it. But the reason why I ended up not going down that road is because I did not want to let my mother down. Like I did, I saw her killing herself. And I'm thinking the least that I could do is not add to her problems. And like me, resorting or taking part in that was not going to help our family situation. So I said, I, at least I can be responsible and do the best I can because you'd have to be an absolute moron to participate in that, knowing what she's going through. Mm -hmm. And there was pressure. Yeah. Like there was pressure from kids to do it. And people think, Oh, Mark, it must've been easy for you. It wasn't easy. Every time I walked into a house party or a room where they were doing something, I was like, Maybe this is the night I'll do it. 
Like maybe I'll take part in it. Like I want to be a part of that group. I want them to look at me like I'm I'm an insider, not an outsider. But there was just too much, you know, crap that my mom was going through. And after seeing what my father went through, like I didn't want to go down that road, you know. And Brandy does an amazing job telling the story, you know. So far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to ask you about the interviews. Like, were there, did, you said you had a good time with the interviews, but you must have, like, just think about the, in general, you probably heard a lot of stories that you weren't aware of. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, like uh, stories referring to you or just stories? Well, just stories in general. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. And things that the, you probably would never hear until you get a mic on someone and they start sharing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And it was amazing to hear um, how how open a lot of, a lot of people were. Um, and, but also extremely respectful. Uh, you could tell there were certain things that bothered certain people in, in specific interviews, not about you, but just about certain situations and circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, but they didn't, it wasn't like they were ready to throw anybody else under the bus. Like yeah. they, they weren't ready to like, they weren't like just itching to, to get after somebody mm -hmm. negatively. Like nobody, nobody did that. Nobody. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, you know, it, I think it goes back to your character and the people you surround yourself with. Like, even if those people have a little bit of that in them, they know what kind of person you are and they know your character and, and they are respectful enough to, to behave accordingly in their interview. Mm. But I don't think it was in their character for everybody. You know, everybody that you surround yourself with and that, that that's in your life. They, I think a little bit of you rubbed off on them and they, yeah. you know, they, they, um, they, they, you know, obviously, you know, acted accordingly to, uh, you know, during their interviews. But yeah, going back to your question about just stories that I, I didn't even know, like um, there's a lot, you know, all over the place, but I, sp specifically, you know, a few of the ones obviously from Richmond that I, I wasn't aware of um, may, maybe kind of a, a glimpse or somebody might've mentioned something, but I didn't know the full story behind certain uh, transactions. Like uh, I didn't know coach Cullen you know, played for, I, I knew he played for coach Reed, but I didn't know how the whole story went down. Oh yeah. You know, that was like, a great story. Uh, I didn't know the full capacity of that story. Either. Yeah. That was amazing. Like, so coach Reed tells a story, you know, I, it's kind of long. I don't know if I could, if I could do it justice here or even post it on the, on the website. But, um, coach Reed was one of the only ones, uh, you know, kind of recruiting Joe Cullen when he was a high school football player, but he, he would send letters to, to, Co to Joe Cullen, handwritten, handwritten, handwritten letters. He would yeah. mail them, and uh, <laughs> and he he called he called Joe at one point on the phone, and and Joe's mother was like, she answered. She didn't want Joe to talk to him. Right. She was mad. She was upset. Yeah. She was like, you keep telling my son that you you're going to offer him a scholarship, and you're writing him all these letters. Like we haven't seen anything. Right. And Coach Reed was just like take. He was like, because he said he's Coach Cullen's mother was tough. Yeah. Oh, she, she was. was I met her. She was. She's <laughs> she very tough. Yeah. Ooh. So he, he, he. You know, he was taken back. He was like, well, I don't know what you mean. I, I've been handwriting. I've been sending handwriting, handwritten letters to your son. Uh, you know, for some time now. And 
So, and Coach Reed is a super intelligent guy. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Immediately he starts thinking and he's like, you know, uh, so what's, well, tell me this, what's the address? You know, what's your address? Yeah. And uh, she gives him the address. He looks at the address he's been mailing him to. It was the wrong address. Mm-hmm. It was like a house, like right down the street. Right, right. So he <laughs> he goes, uh, he says that her his mother was like, I'll call you back. Right. So the first thing she did was she went down the street. Right. And she asked the guy who lived there, have you been getting letters from Jim Reed at Boston College? And the guy saved all of them. Yeah. He had them in a box. Yeah. So... Normally you would think like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so grateful. Thank you for this. Like she chewed the guy out. Yeah. How could you hold on to these letters yeah, yeah, so yeah, long? Yeah. <laughs> Why haven't you given these? Right, right. You didn't say a word. So right. I'm sure she did it in a much, uh, oh yeah, not so uh, PC way, but in a very, a very Quincy way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she's from Quincy, Massachusetts. Right, right, right. So. Uh, after that, everything was, you know, extremely kosher. But it was, it's a, you know, you have to. Jim Reed is a much better storyteller than I am. You have to hear him tell it. But, um, you know, stories like that, and then not everybody knows, um, you know. And I, I don't think telling this really spoils anything in the film. But not everybody knows that that Coach Reed recruited a lot of kids, not a lot, but a handful of kids from Massachusetts and the Northeast uh, when he was the defensive coordinator at University of Richmond mm-hmm. in. Um, and a lot of those kids were, were the incoming class of 1994. Well, in the, right before that season. And committed because of Coach and Reed. And committed because of Coach Reed. Right before that season, Coach Reed was offered the defensive coordinator position at Boston College. So, and it was, it, like, it, it wasn't like he was just going home. It was familiar or anything. He was going to be making, like, three times what he made at Richmond. Yeah, yeah. He was living on a couch in Richmond. He yeah. didn't. They just took his rental car away. He didn't have any transportation. <laughs> Boston College was going to pay him three times more, give him a car. His family was in Boston. And the head coach of Richmond at the time said, I can't believe you'd be interested in something like yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I mean, I'd like to, you know, take care of my family and eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he actually left and was the defensive coordinator at Boston College for the 1994 season. That's when Mike Mamula was there, I think. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. And then... But, uh, you know, he he says, you know, Coach Reed, you know, obviously he tells a story. He had a hunch that he might be back. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't long. It was immediately after the night, the fall of 94. Coach Reed was back at Richmond as the head coach, yeah. which was probably even better than him sticking around as the D.C. Yeah, it was like a dark time when Coach Reed left. And I was thinking <laughs> I came to Richmond because of Coach Reed and now he's gone. And I. He I'm, said that like, was the only that was the only time he ever passed you in the hallway and you didn't say hello to him. I'm so upset. And I was uh, thinking this guy, the, the only one of the few people in the world I believe in, he just bounced. And uh, I'm here by myself. And he left Coach Cullen there. Yeah. Who was not happy. And I'm pretty sure Coach Cullen took it out on everyone that entire season, <laughs> which wasn't good either. So yeah, it's not like he needed a reason no, to he take didn't, it out. So. He didn't need extra motivation to be nasty. Yeah. But, uh, but he came back and it was really special. But um, yeah, there was a lot of stories like that that we just didn't, you know, if we, well, if everybody could watch every single interview, they'd be like, wow, I didn't know oh, the connections of, right. between people. Right. They had no idea. A lot of people don't even know Todd McShay went to University of Richmond. Yeah, so I many tell, people don't know that. That that's that's pretty disturbing as well. And they don't they don't know Todd's story because Todd's story is Todd's, a great story. 
Another great story yeah. about Coach Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I had him on another podcast, but when Todd tells the story, that's a great story. Oh, when he after, after college, yeah, his his climb, yeah, yeah, that was like everyone thinks Todd McShay makes so much money. I'm like, dude, you. There was no instant gratification there. No, <laughs> Same thing with Joe all. Douglas. That yeah. was 20 years. Yeah, that was 20 years. I mean, you posted that clip from 1999 when he was like, he was he an was intern. The, yeah. That, by the way, the first year Joe Douglas applied for that internship, they didn't give it to him. He had to go back the next year. Yeah. Just to get the internship. So, um, I, I think that it's going to, it's going to be positive for a lot of people. Um, were there any interviews that you were like, well, who gave the best interview? Can you say that? I know oh. it's hard. I know it's hard. Well, who gave, who do you see? In your in your mind, who gave you the who was the best coach? coach the best coach, I you know it, well. It's it's funny because I think you have to be more like Coach Reed was the best storyteller, right? Yeah. But Coach Leonard was the most enthusiastic. Yeah. I mean, the energy just like it was like flowing off of him, mm-hmm. and and obviously you know for personal reasons he he was my position coach, so yeah. it was fun to sit down with him, but. And then with Coach Cullen, he was so intellectual, and he it, it was so yeah. it was so weird to like see, see him. him in that calm state, you know. And yeah, um, I mean, he's got to spend at least an hour a day calm. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Chris Jones. Oh my gosh! Like the first fifteen minutes of our interview, we were just because I coach high school football, we were just talking about strategies. We hadn't even, I went, like, we hadn't even started talking about, like, you or anything. Like, we were just talking about football strategy. That guy could talk football for a month. Oh, months my God. And not break stride. He's a wild man. Yeah. He loves football. Loves football. And, I mean, and Coach Hansen, uh, I mean, like, it's hard to say. Like, you know, each one of them had, was the best in a certain category, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, and I think all the coaches would agree, Coach Reed was just, he's just a great storyteller. And he has such a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he's been around for so long, and he's done such a great job with so many people. He's probably been coaching, I want to say, at 40 years. Over. He's, he's been coaching for at least 40 years. In the interview, I think he said he's been coaching for 47 years. That might be incorrect, but it's over. It's 40-something. Wow. And I think That's it's... Belichick's 48, I think. 48 or 49. Really? In the NFL, by the way. In the NFL. <laughs> um, but... Coach Reed's got so much knowledge. It's oh, crazy. Man. I mean, but, it, yeah, like, yeah, who else asked me? Who, like, what What other topic or the interviews were amazing. Well, I mean, if you could ask, like, who is the best player? Who is the best player you interviewed? Oh, like, like, who was the best player or who was the best interview? No, no, that, who, that what player? player gave the best interview? Oh, man. Well, you forget, like, you have Ooh. Todd, Elio, David yeah. Giles. David Giles was the best. He was, hands down. David, David Giles, Giles might be the best storyteller I've ever heard in my he, life. He and, and this is like no bias. Like yeah. he, This kid can tell a story. Oh, my god. If goodness. he was on stage, I would pay hundreds of dollars to get that ticket. Yeah. All day. Hands down. He he was, he's a character, man. And and the thing that's even more lovable about it is that it's so genuine. Oh, yeah. Like, he's not a character to be an actor. He's a character because no. it's just it's his true character. Is, yeah. yeah. It, genuine, but... And Randy, what they remember? Oh gosh, they yeah. remember things that I didn't remember. Yeah, for sure. And that that was one concern. But <laughs> there was always like they were telling stories. David Giles told a stories a story about the Timberland boots that I was wearing. Yeah, 
He said it was the first time he had ever seen a white guy with Timberlands on. He thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, all of them, yeah. Was there a Miami interview that you appreciated? Oh, man. You know, I, mean, I know you appreciate them all. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, for sure. Of course, of course. Uh, you know, it's always, I think I learned a lot of leadership um, qualities from guys like Sharif Malnick and Chris Pacello and Randy Frankel, like sitting down with them and just hearing their perspective on how things work and don't work and how you applied that to the, yeah. to the things that you were involved in with, yeah. with them. Um, they're, they're just so, I mean, and Eddie, Eddie Owens. Oh my goodness, man. And Dan Turner. They, they just, again, it's, it's Barry, um, Barry, Barry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Barry's like, good. yeah, good. I mean, and to hear, you know, especially guys like that, like to hear them. I don't think people get a chance to to talk to to guys of that caliber and hear how human they are. Right, right, and and, and just that's a very good point. Yeah, you, you know, like they they're just they're good people, man, and and they and they appreciate. Like I appreciated the fact that they appreciate somebody like you, like a lot. You, you know, because is it because you think that someone that serves them or works for them doesn't necessarily matter as much? You would think. Yeah, I think I think the general population yeah. think, looks at those type of people and and, and, and assumes automatically assumes yeah. that they they can't associate or they can't even just have a conversation with them. Like it's it's out of their Beneath league. Them, right? Yeah, yeah. But every single one of those folks talked about the importance of treating people everybody everybody chris made a great i mean it's not in the film but we had a great in-depth conversation about how he treats the security guard the doorman the bus boy like who he does like, he does by the way every single he person does. Does in that works for him he makes sure he goes out of his way to talk to them to and he and he said he got better at that working with you like he you oh. know he did he said you know obviously he did that before but oh, certainly but he, he 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 would observe you and he he picked up on some things that made his process even better yeah and um and you know and everybody knows how successful he is and, and oh, what yeah. he does and and barry the same thing you know to hear barry say <laughs> you know i aspire you know to do something like mark you know, that's that's pretty yeah, impressive no, no. like I mean, that's I think <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's doing me a solid, but oh, I mean, but, 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 but you can tell yeah. it's genuine. Man. Oh no, I mean, he's and then you know he is a very genuine. He obviously he's a very very genuine. And person. those guys are funny too, man. And Eddie, you know, just hearing Eddie joke around and you know talk about family. There's there's a I I don't know if I've posted it yet, but there there is an extra bonus uh, clip that'll go on the site where Eddie talks about family. Mm. It's very powerful. Yeah, he's a huge yeah. family guy. Well, if you think about this, you know, I say it all the time, and um, some people close to me tell me, you know, you don't have to say those things, and you know, just express, express gratitude, express gratitude as much. But I realize that between Randy and his life experiences and the things like, look, I know he doesn't have to like, you know, help me or you know, spend time talking to me and explaining certain things to me, but he certainly does. And it's hard for me to express how much I appreciate that. 
you know, because these people start off as people and with business relationships, but they're more like friends. They really are. That's how I view them. I mean, I, I can't help myself. I do view them that way. But for him to go out of his way and and teach and be patient and you know value the work that's being done, like that means so much to me. And I have. You know, you have Randy, you have Chris, who's had so much life experience and done so many things with his life. And when Chris tells us, Chris could tell a story that you, it had to be made up, but it's not made up. It's every bit of it's true. And that's the crazy part. And the, the names that he drops in the story, you're like, with who? And, and it, it's wild, but it's a combination of learning from Randy and Chris and listening to Barry. And, you know, there's certain things you pick up on, like, who gets access to that? That's why I'm so grateful and so fortunate just to be able to talk to these people and I can do something for them because they've done so much for me, mm -hmm. you know. Um, just the two, you know, Randy and Chris, but, you know, the Eddie Owenses of the world and just sharing the, their perspective on family and life and it's a big deal, you know. Yeah. That's a blessing. That's really, it really is uh, something special and, I can't help myself but express the gratitude that I have for all those people. And um, you know when I say it, it's not I don't want to let them down. It's not about not letting them down. It's just like I want to do my very best because you know they they took time and invested in me, whatever it may have been. Uh, you know, in regards to teaching. You know, certainly with the investments, but it's more like I want them to know that I'm going to do everything in my power to do the best I can and do good in this world, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And using the knowledge that they, they've shared with me, you know? So. Yeah, we'd, we'd be foolish not to. Yeah. Well, what about, um, which, w was there an interview where you laughed more than anything? Oh, David Giles. David Hands Giles. Down. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. Like, I think I've seen the David Giles, Coach Cullen story. David Giles, he, he introduces what a new or an incoming freshman experiences the first time uh, game day with Coach Joe Cullen. And he's very specific and very detailed. And I don't think I've ever heard uh, a better told story than that one. Right. Well, his version of the first warm-up, too, is... Oh, it is. Because yeah. a lot of... I, you know, we talked about this. Oh, big shout-out to Sam Kaufman. We had... A, we, we talked about this Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> where we uh Sammy's a trip, we, we try we try to tell people what we went through at University of Richmond and and I'm sure there's a lot of college football yeah. players, former yeah. and present, yeah, who are yeah. like, Oh, we got it tough. We went through we went through it's something similar. Thing. Yeah, it's they the same it's the thing same here. Thing. And and I I I feel like I can 99.9% yeah. .9 guarantee you that a lot of the things that we experienced, you have no idea. Yeah. No well, idea. You want to say, you know what, it's probably we're just biased and it's you're letting our emotions get in the way. But if you want to be honest, you just got to tell them probably not because the things that they did, it's not like they were, well, I don't know if I should say that, but it's just... It was not, a different time too. Yeah, it, was it was a, different, it was a time. different time. You could get away with a little bit more. And it wasn't like they did it out of. Uh, there was it, no harm. They weren't trying right, to harm right. people. They were just trying to create this 
culture of, you know, uh, strong accountability, zero excuses and hold each other accountable and let's make it happen. And here's how we do it. And if you don't make it happen, you're going to suffer the consequences right. and they expect, expect the very best out of you. So it was like, you're on, get on board. And if you're not on board, it's going to get bad in here. Right. And yeah. two things were a testament to that. We, we talked about specific stories. Um, I'm, I'm going back to, you know, discussions with, with, you know, former guys that went through that program. We've, we've all talked about specific stories where players from other programs, right. like big time programs yeah. came into university of Richmond, Richmond as transfers and didn't last long at all. Yeah. Like, no, didn't this, last. Yeah, as quick as they got here, they trend, they got out. Yeah, and they some and, of them didn't even like they just came and visited. Yeah, and didn't even stay. Like they just they were like, you know what? I'm gonna stick it out at the school that I wanted yeah. to leave. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the other thing that if people really want to question us is take a look at the graduates from the Jim Reed era at University yeah. of Richmond. Just yeah. just you could just make a list of the, of maybe 20 people, but you could go along. You could go like on a list of maybe 200. But oh, if dude. if you just pick twenty, just pick twenty guys dude. from the from that, I don't even what almost ten year dude. period that he was there. Just start off with Joe Douglas, general manager of the New York Jets, Todd McShay, the head of the NFL draft for ESPN, Andrew Bogle, head orthopedic surgeon, Sam Coffin's one of the most prominent lawyers in town. There's like lawyers, doctors, people who work for big time um Vermont Street or Vermont Street or Wall Street. Uh, like uh, people work for Pfizer, oh right? The head of Pfizer, like, like these top guys. Yeah, the list is crazy, and um, <laughs> I think that he just breeds a a push or an effort level or a sense of urgency or a I feel like I can almost do anything mentality that is really special. Exactly, you know, it, you know, and every every person that we've interviewed who played under Coach Reed said something along the lines of remember what Joe Douglas said exactly it I made it through four years of coach Reed I can do anything in yeah. life and he said that to himself daily and this is the general manager of the New York Jets he yeah. goes this is not hard trust me and he tells the players that yeah he's like you have no idea let me tell you a little story about Jim Reed and he's right yeah I remember when coach Reed said I don't know if it was the year after me, but like there was a string of maybe like 10 or 12 guys that got drafted, you know, in some yeah. way, shape or form in the, the owner, George Young of the giants called him and said, what's going on down there? Like, what are you doing? Where are you getting these guys? And the truth was that the guys that he was bringing in, no one else wanted. That's exactly true. <laughs> That's the, the irony of the story. And that tells you that even today where we have anatomy, there are situations that, and I know, look, times have certainly changed, but, We'll have someone on the team and it's not looking good. It's like there are certainly reasons to cut ties with an individual, but, you know, coaching is a big part of it. Like Jim Reed said, you know, he believed that he's a, he was an extraordinary coach and he can make things happen with certain people based on the way he applied pressure, praised, um, brought people into the circle, embraced them and, you know, held them accountable and held them to a higher standard. And he did every bit of that. And that's the way it is now. Like sometimes people want to just say, let's fire this person. Let's cut ties with this person. You, you Have you coached them up? And have you done a good job? And if you haven't, well, then that's why they're not up to speed. Or right. did you make a poor choice bringing this person in, which is certainly possible. Yeah. But 
a lot of it is coaching and coaching mm. isn't always fun. You know, it's not always fun. Like coaching is like, this is going to be miserable and you're going to suffer a little bit and you're going to have to sacrifice huge pieces of time and give lots of effort and energy. But there are certain people out there that want the coaching. It's just, are you going to coach them up? Right. Because right. coaching is a full-time job, 24-7, 365, you're always open, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, um, and I mean, that's that's you know one of the one of the favorite sayings i like to use and i think a lot of coaches use this you know you have somebody under your under your realm that that makes mistakes keeps making mistakes and guess what you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen yeah it's not you can't wow. you can't say I, I didn't coach that but but you let it happen yeah <laughs> you right. kept letting letting it happen so mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's a good. big point that, you know, that you bring up is just, uh, and that's, an, you can, you can apply that at any phase of life, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just said, like with your, your team at the gym, or if it's a, a team full of doctors that are under you or, you know, a team full of lawyers, or you're an administrator at a school and your teachers aren't, you know, being coached up well enough or, you know, anything like, right. uh, it's such a, it's such a great, uh, principle that you brought up there. That's, yeah. and you know. I know we could probably talk about this all day, right? right like right. it's just so many things. And a lot of those things are things that we want to teach yeah. through the documentary. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. And that's the reason for the documentary. So what what what's the plan going forward? Why don't you give everyone a timeline and tell them about the website and then you can tell them about um you know, the both Instagrams. What tell them. Yeah, yeah. So so right now if you haven't checked it out, make sure you go visit uh just a kid from fallriver.com. And uh, and make sure you subscribe to that website. We'll, we'll send you updates about we've kind of cut it back to every other week now uh, with new material that gets uploaded to the site. It's great. We, you know, we thought that it would be great because it was so many interviews. We wanted you, the audience, to get a, a glimpse of who was involved and a little bit of, you know, backdrop about. Uh, about the people that were involved as well so you can go to the site you can see you know mark's doing an amazing job of of uh, posting uh at least two or three times a week um two or three different people that were interviewed for the film or that were involved in the in the film and uh and we just tell you a little bit about them and and why they were involved in the film and and then we've been posting also or put you know updating the site with extra content clips which are you know, clips that are just priceless, but we, we couldn't fit them into the film in a way that, that, you know, helped deliver the message that we wanted to deliver. Um, so you, you have to go to the site again, it's just a kid from fallriver.com. Uh, that's the name of, of the documentary, just a kid from fall river. And, uh, and right now we are, I would say about 50% of the way done uh, right now we're in a stage where we can move a lot faster. A lot of that three and a half years was the production aspect of like gathering the yeah. content, you know, contacting the right people, uh, you know, being able to schedule the interviews, get to the interviews. So that's what took a lot of time. And, and like we said, we didn't have a budget, so it wasn't like we could just take off two months and just knock out 50 interviews right away. It was like we had to wait until we had, you know, available time, free time ourselves. So, um, and, and now, like I said, we're in a, we're in a phase where we're moving a lot faster and we've, we've, um, we've been able to, to, uh, meet with some other folks outside of us who, 
are super excited about getting involved in a project as well, which is going to help us take the film to another level. And, and we're just, um, and we're pushing. So if, as far as the timeline, we're pushing to hopefully have a trailer, an official trailer out uh, in the fall, which uh, would, you know, hopefully we're hoping that it, it garners a lot more excitement, uh, which I, I mean, I believe, I, I know that there's a lot of excitement already, but um, we really want to reach a lot of people outside of our circle that, that this could be, a, you know, a positive impact for. And um, so we get that trailer out in the fall. And then from there, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the right time to release it. Mm-hmm. So and where, yeah, and where, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. so we're we're narrowing that down right now, but it's getting close. So for for those of you who are excited, and we keep getting messages of people like, when's it coming out? When's it yeah. coming out? And trust me, we're working extremely hard, and um and and we've got some really big plans for it. Uh, we just we don't want to rush it uh, because we don't want to screw it up. But at the same time, we are pushing as fast as we can because we. We want to get this out and, um, you know, it, it's cliche, but you never know what tomorrow holds. So, uh, that's why we want to get it out as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, if this could change somebody's life or, um, uh, you know, just have even the, the least bit of positive, you know, effect on somebody, we want to get it out to them before anything, you know, could not have a positive impact right. on that person. Right. Yeah, and uh, Instagram. You did you do that? Oh no, no, Instagram. Yeah, so Instagram. You can follow Mark at Mark Magna. Yeah, and then um, or the Just a Kid from Fall yeah, River. or at Just a Kid from Fall River. Um, that handle for Instagram as well, and you can also you can you can find um, uh, you know you can follow Mark's Facebook page, my Facebook our Monarch mm-hmm. Productions Facebook page as well. We just kind of pretty much we post the same things, you know, on as many outlets as possible, just so we can reach a, you know, a wider audience. So, and if you need someone for video work, who's incredible, well, incredible. After, after we get the film out, after yeah. we, <laughs> yeah, Monarch productions, Randy West, uh, he's done, does an amazing job. And, um, I mean, I've seen him do amazing things for homes, for weddings, for everything. And this, this guy is like a gift, man. He's an oh, incredible man. friend. And, uh, I don't know how you're doing all this. I still I ask him every day. I say, how do you do all this? I, I don't get it. I'm trying to figure it out now. But very exciting time. Thank you for tuning in. Randy, thank you for being on. And thank you for committing a big piece of your life to do this, man. Oh, it's a big deal. It's, it's a really big deal. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, before we leave, I'd say a lot of, you know, I, I did do a lot of work. But fortunately, like Mark mentioned earlier, my my wife is super understanding uh tasha she's amazing i couldn't have asked for a better wife my two kids isabella and rj my family has been so supportive um like mark said like a lot of times i'll have to leave the family for days maybe a week you know to get somewhere and get an interview and get back and and like we said i'm I'm not getting paid for this this is a passion project so um my family is just so understanding. I want to make sure that I said thank you to them and let everybody know how amazingly supportive that is. And that's a huge part. Like people, I just want to make sure they understand that. Like if I didn't have an understanding and supportive wife, this wouldn't have happened. No, I right. mean, you're right. So, so Melanie, shout out to you for putting up with all this and letting Randy <laughs> yes. stay at the house and yes. have video equipment all over the house, all and, over the place <laughs> and doing the interview and at supporting the house, yeah. us and being patient and understanding because you know, I don't want to get into it now, but uh, being the wife of Mark, uh, 
Magna is not the easiest thing in the world. She's a saint. She's yeah, a she saint. is a saint. And uh, thank God for her. She's amazing. But I'm very lucky to have her. So, all right, man. So, when is this one going to come out? This week? Next week? Yeah, give it about a week or so. Yeah. yeah so, it'll be out there. All right. We'll cut that part out. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. Go see the film. Go see the film.